0: What thought leaders do you either follow on social media or in the news?
1: Greta, No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: This week's episode features the Areva Institute for Environmental Studies. The Areva Institute is a leading environmental and academic institution in the Middle East, working to advance cross-border environmental cooperation in the face of political conflict. The Institute's mission is to provide the Middle East with a new generation of professionals that will meet the region's environmental challenges with richer and more innovative peace-building solutions. This week, we had the opportunity of talking to Sarah Braverman, Shira Fish, and Mohammed Jarad about their individual experiences with the Institute and the work they have done in the Middle East. Hi, I'm DJ Matos. Thank you guys so much for, you know, willing to spend the time here with us. If everyone could like introduce themselves, like what is your role in the ARVA Institute and and what do you do personally?
1: Well, I'm Shira. I'm, I'm from Israel originally, and I studied there for one semester last spring, exactly a year ago. And then I stayed for another semester as a program associate. So I worked in the campus life team for one semester and I finished that. And now I'm on this tour speaking about the Institute and recruiting students.
2: Hello, my name is Muhammad Jarad. I'm Palestinian, 21 years old, t- turning 22 in the last day of this month. I did the Arava Institute semester as a semester abroad uh, of my studies of, of construction, engineering, and environment, which I graduated almost two weeks ago, spring 2017, and here am I today at the Dialogue Project Tour in the US.
3: And my name is Sarah Braverman, and I attended the Arava Institute as a postgraduate research intern in the fall 2017 semester. And since then I've been involved with the Arava Institute in various campus life initiatives, as well as programming for university relations in the United States.
0: So can, can you tell me more about the Arava Institute, like what, what you guys do and, and how it all gets done?
3: So the Arava Institute for Environmental Studies is an environmental peace-building institute. So we focus on international environmental cooperation, specifically in the Middle East. So we bring students together from Israel, Palestine, Jordan, and all over the world to take classes and conduct research projects all in the field of environmental studies, but looking at it through different lenses. So not just, you know, environmental science, but we're looking at policy, resource management, renewable energy, water conservation, and sustainable agriculture. The program has been around for 24 years, and uh, we've had over uh, 1,200 alumni attend our program. And it's in Israel? Yes. So, oh yes, it's, (laughs) it's in Israel. We're based in the very southern part on an area called Kibbutz Keturah, which is a kibbutz in the Negev Desert, and the Arva Valley, from where we get our name, is a a valley that transcends political borders, which is very you know connected to our mission statement, which is that nature knows no borders. The idea that environmental issues are going to transcend political boundaries, so regardless of your religion or nationality, we all have a responsibility to take care of our environment and to protect it and the people who live within it.
0: What does the curriculum kind of look like for the Institute?
3: So we offer courses in a wide range of topics, everything from environmental policy to resource management and sustainable agriculture. And Students will typically take four to five classes each semester, and one of those courses can be an independent study where they design their own research project for the whole duration of the semester. And each class has students from all different demographics of student body that I mentioned earlier, um, which adds another element to the classroom experience and just the topics in general. So if you're talking about water policy in the Middle East, you're talking with students from the West Bank and Gaza and Israel and Jordan, as well as North Americans, South Americans, students from Africa and Europe. It's a, really a, a microcosm of the whole world coming together to talk about some of the biggest challenges that face our, our society today. And among the courses that they take beyond just their core curriculum, we have one course called the Peacebuilding Leadership Seminar. And that course is essentially an open dialogue uh, that takes place weekly. And it's facilitated by three facilitators, one Jewish Israeli, one Palestinian, and one international facilitator to mirror the demographics of the student body. But they allow the curriculum to be decided by the students. So we come into the discussion once a week and we talk about conflict and how it plays a role in our lives and how that's shaped our identity and how our identity has played a role in the region.
0: What other roles do the students have in the Leadership Institute?
3: So the Peace Building Leadership Seminar is a weekly dialogue session, like I mentioned. In that class, the leadership that they take on is that they're deciding what the discussion is. Beyond the moderators just kind of, you know, helping us move along, if we have questions, if we you know if we need to hear another perspective that's not just our student body they will interject but for the most part we determine how the conversation goes what topics are brought up and which teaches a lot about leadership and that you need to be you are responsible for your actions and what you say in the room but you're also very much in that community so the community allows for this dialogue to take place and we decide as a group what's going to be discussed and what what we'd like to get out of it beyond that we we also offer a course called the environmental leadership seminar so basically taking the peace building leadership seminar and applying it into environmental projects. So during that semester, students will work on a project specifically related to the environment, whether that's through activism or education or engineering, and they can design a project in that course and, and learn what it means to be a leader in the environmental sector. So that one is more hands on, the practical side of environmental peace building, but the peace building skills in general come from the leadership seminar. We call it PELS. And I think that by the end of the semester, a lot of students gain skills in empathetic listening as like one of the most important parts is that we become more open to hearing perspectives that are different from our own and might challenge us. And I think that most students leave the semester feeling comfortable with being challenged and and have the ability as well to listen to people who have a different perspective.
1: Yeah, I think in general, the Institute is a place that encourages creativity and independent projects. Like there's a lot of support if like a student wants to lead any kind of activity or event. There's even a budget for this and the Institute will really support students that will want to take on any kind of project that is environmental or About any kind of cooperation and even as alumni of this program there is even then there is a fund in if any uh, middle eastern alumni wanna they have an idea of any kind of environmental project or cooperation project the institute could fund these kind of projects so i feel that they're really encouraging us always have ideas and like push ourselves to do things independently also when after after we leave the institute
2: what i would say like The Institute offers a variety of courses like concerning academics of uh, environmental sciences, as well as water, hydrology, soil, as well as like the social aspects like conflict and cooperation, uh, political ecology, those stuff that's related to the the situation in the Middle East, as well as the scientific parts. What I would say about the beast building leadership seminar, which we refer as PELS in short, is that we learn each other's stories and how to be, uh, to, how to accept listening and respecting the other side's story and narrative, while at the same time we can have and um, preserve our own story and be proud of without hurting the other side. So it learns us to
0: accept and be more open to others. Yeah. So it's it's challenge through cooperation. You're dealing with problems that have been around for generations. So just how important are effective leaders in this region of the world and in conflict in general? I mean, uh, what do you think an effective leader looks like in a peace building environment?
1: Well, unfortunately, I don't feel like I have much to look up at. I don't have much uh, good examples for that in our country. I think for a long time, we haven't had leaders that have been prioritizing cooperation and dialogue and connection, any kind of platform to connect and work together. I feel like it's our governments are just doing the opposite for many years, just creating more and more segregation and just creating is like making us more and more fearful of each other. I'm saying like Palestinians and Israelis. And yeah, I don't feel like we've had much leadership that I can say that has been encouraging these kind of projects like the Institute. I feel like it's very underground, it's very like civil, nonprofit NGOs. Those are the only kinds of things I can think of that are actually interested in positive environmental leadership.
2: Yes, I would say like at the government level, there is not much talking or almost not happening, at least about the environment because they're not majoring it at any point, unfortunately. So what they're very busy and they don't want to talk about. So I, what I think and I feel that at least the grassroots organizations, the Palestinians and Israelis are trying to work on the environment together. It's better to start now because when if, if we still wait, like keep waiting until there is a political solution, it may be no environment that we can talk about after that.
0: So what type of students do you, do you choose for this? I understand that you take students from a variety of, of backgrounds. Uh, what else do you take into account for who you choose?
2: The demographics of the semester is almost the same since the institute started in 1996. It's one third Jewish-Israeli students, one third Middle Eastern Arabs, including Palestinians from West Bank and Gaza, as well as Jordanians, as well as Israeli Arabs. And the other third is internationals, including North Americans, South Americans,
3: Europeans. In terms of who chooses to attend the Arava Institute, it's really a wide variety of people. The interests that come in, because this program is looking at not just the environmental studies and science component, they're also looking at the socio-political makeup of the Middle East. So everyone who comes to the Institute has a different interest in this program. Most commonly we'll see people who are interested in environmental engineering or environmental policy, international relations, cultural studies, and environmental studies all together. And I think that what we ask for the students who come into the Institute, we make sure that they know that this is a program about conflict and cooperation and one that looks at environmental issues from a sociopolitical perspective. And so it's, I think it's helpful for students. My advice for students who come into the program is always keep an open mind to the best that you can. Um, and when in doubt, listening is always a good way to start. Um, if you are curious of learning more, it's, it's the best way to express that to people to, you know, have them tell their story first, tell their perspective, and then going from there. We, you know, encourage students to be patient with others because these topics are quite challenging. And no matter how much research you do in a specific area, it doesn't mean that you will be, you know, an expert in the Palestinian-Israeli conflict or just conflict in general. And you're also not going to find the answer from the history books per se. I think that it's helpful to have, you know, some background on the knowledge of the region. I would say that to anybody who chooses to study abroad, you know, gain a little, like read a little bit about what, what the Politics are the region and but nothing is more helpful to understanding the society than to meet the people who live there and who have lived through it.
0: You mentioned you know everyone should get to know everyone's stories. so what are your stories? like why did you choose to pursue this?
1: Well, I found this place because most Israelis come to this institute because they want to before they go to university they want to have like a softer way into the system like to try it out for it's just four months you can come like we come most of the israelis come before any academic background and to just like take a variety of courses and figure out exactly what we want and that's basically why i came i was just coming to have like a to try an academic experience and i was interested in the courses that they have in this institute and i I looked this place up online and i saw that a third of the students are going to be uh palestinian and Arab-Israeli and Jordanian and I thought okay well I'm 25 I haven't met Palestinians yet in my life I haven't had any kind of conversation about the subject I don't know how to have this conversation I felt like I don't know enough and I don't know the people I don't even know how to approach this whole thing and I was always interested in it and I kind of thought like I don't think that there's much opportunities in Israel to have these kind of kind of conversations and definitely not how to like learn to have this conversation like you can find people and have this intense blow up but I don't think I've ever had opportunity to slowly learn how to do it and that was very important for me and it was very like attracting in this program and that's why I came and I spent almost a year there and I could say that I still have much to learn but I definitely feel like now I know how to have certain conversations that before I definitely wasn't able to.
2: I would say how I heard about the program. At the second year of my construction engineering and environment degree, I felt that it's too much for me. I could not handle it. So I decided to postpone a semester to take a break. I did. I worked, collected some money, booked the first flight to the Philippines. On the way back home, I, have coincidence, met one of the alumni of the Arva Institute who told me about the program, how it brings Palestinians, Israelis, Jordanians, internationals together to study environment in, in the desert. I said, I feel like this is the spot. This is what I want. I've never ever been in contact with israelis that like- at any point of my life other than Israeli checkpoints military checkpoints which is not a place that regular people meet so i said like i'm giving it a shot and here am, I, here am i 3 years later and i'm coming back to the institute again after i'm going back home from the us as a research intern
3: and in progression of that so shira this was her first university experience mohammed was midway through i found out about the Arab institute when i was a senior in college and and i was studying at the time environmental studies and sociology, looking specifically at policy. And the time that I found out about the ARB Institute was when President Trump was elected. And the conversation across university campuses, not just my own, was quite divisive. And we were facing a lot of challenges of how are we going to, you know, talk about our how we see our the political situation in the United States. And in particular, how are we going to progress environmental policies in an administration that doesn't believe in climate change? So when I found out about the Arab Institute and hearing how how the Institute's bringing together Israelis and Palestinians, which has held, you know, historical conflict for years, this is a, I figured this would be a great opportunity to learn how to apply those conversations to here in the United States, because if they can figure out a way to, to have a discussion around the environment. We absolutely can make that happen here in the United States. And so I conducted a research internship in water management and policy in the semester following my graduation.
0: How has the Arva Institute really made a difference in, in the world and and in the Middle East? What are the big projects you guys have been working on?
1: So I can give you a few examples of projects that are happening like nowadays. So for example, there's one project that's happening in a place called Umm al fahim It's a village uh, in the northern part of the West Bank. And Umm al it's it translates to Mother of the Coal. And this place has been known for its coal industry. And it's a very polluting industry that mostly the people of this village and the area suffer from and the institute collaborated with this village to implement a a German I think it's German technology to make to produce coal in, in a more efficient and less polluting way so that's an example for some kind of like environmental project there's a lot of cooperation like civil cooperations between us and people who live in Jordan in the southern part of Jordan like parallel to us so if you look like look at Israel like we are at the end and Jordan is right next to us so in the valley that's right in front of us there's a lot of small villages that are being that they're in communication with our institute about renewable energy, solar panel installations, water desalination stations.
3: At, so that, like I mentioned earlier the ARVA Institute was founded in 1996 and at our 20th year kind of meeting and summary we said okay what is the impact that we've had in the Middle East? Where are where are we at and how can we push for even a further impact? And we saw that the student body was, see, was building bridges outside of their time at the Arava Institute. And it was, they were growing, communities were tuning into what we were doing and wanting to learn more. So we decided to start a forum to meet annually at the Arava Institute that welcomes people from outside of the student body. You know, and we call this the Track 2 Forum. If you know anything about international diplomacy, you'll know that there are several different tracks that one can take to take part in diplomacy, the most common of which is track one, which means intergovernmental diplomacy. So that would be political officials meeting with one another. But at the moment in the Middle East, that's like Shira Mohammed mentioned, not, not making any difference when it comes to environmental issues. We're not seeing governments in Israel and the Palestinian Authority coming together and talking about how to address environmental issues. So we are bringing together track two, which is citizens diplomacy. Essentially, NGOs, the private sector, the nonprofit sector, educational institutions, engineering firms. So, once a year, we invite actors from Israel, Gaza, the West Bank, Jordan, and from all over the world to meet and discuss how they can build bridges between their communities and between their organizations to address environmental issues in the region. And a variety of projects, now that we've done this for three years, a variety of projects that were being discussed are now being installed throughout the region. So the project that Shira mentioned actually started as a track two uh, initiative. Beyond that, we're also working on Installing solar desalination filtration devices that can be installed in Gaza, in particularly in communities that are off-grid, meaning they are not connected to utilities by the national government. So they're not receiving, you know, a secure amount of energy and they're not receiving a secure access to water. So this is from years of collaboration and years of facilitating this dialogue so that we can see projects actually taking action on an international level.
2: I would say that I'm coming back to the Institute as a research intern at the Soil Hydrology and Sustainability Lab, where I'll be researching about how to shift and help the Palestinian farmers at the Oja village next to Jericho to upgrade their irrigation system in a more efficient way. As well as uh, preserving their lifestyle, like uh, agriculture with a small amount of water, which means that they have to desalinate water or and reuse their water. So I will be helping
0: in this. That's wonderful. So, are there any like books that you would recommend to people to get started in this field, or you know, be inspired?
1: If like an environmental book that I think is really excellent is Collapse. It is by Jared Diamond. Collapse by Jared Diamond. It's an excellent book and it talks about how different climate issues are affecting different communities and different populations around the world throughout history and also kind of like a few predictions. Another book I can think of more about like Israeli-Palestine conflict is Catch 67 and it is by Micha Goodman and he talks about the conflict but in a more like philosophical way and about the ideas of both sides, like why we have the ideas we have. And that's a really good book. I really recommend that one.
2: I know a book that I haven't read all of it yet. Uh, I'm still in the process, so I'm almost like halfway through. It's called In In Persuasion of Peace Between Palestinians and Israelis by Gershon Baskin that combines environment, economy, cultural aspects, as well as the conflict. So it's it's kind of a mix of lifestyle slash economy, environment, and cooperation.
3: And um, one book I'd recommend if you're interested in globalization and critiques on that and the ethics behind it, in particular, how how we can protect our environment in a globalized world. I recommend reading the book, One World by Peter Singer. This was a really interesting class that I, I took it while I was in college, but I think it absolutely applies to the topics that are discussed at the Arva Institute. If we're living in a very international and deeply entwined society globally, how are we going to, you know, how does nationalism play a role in protecting the environment? Or how does it interfere with inter- international environmental policies?
0: Mm-hmm. I'll definitely be looking those books up. They they sound uh, pretty wonderful. So I have one question before I let you go. What thought leaders do you either follow on social media or in the news?
1: Greta. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one politician that I could say that I... I don't know if I follow her, but she would definitely be one of my like, favorite politicians. Uh, Israeli politician, her name is Stav Shafil. I think she's excellent. And she she's very young and ambitious and she like, she's not as scared to fight with everyone. And there's an Israeli guy called Dov Hanin, which he is an incredible guy. He used to be a politician and he was the first Israeli Jewish person to be in an Arab party. And now he's not in politics anymore. He's just like um, leading a lot of peace building organizations and environmental protests. Like he's a super social protesting kind of guy. And he's definitely someone that I look up to.
2: From my side, uh, I would say uh, Professor Layla Ghannam. She's from Ramallah. She's the first Palestinian woman to become a mayor for a city. And she works in like different stuff, environment, cooperation, women empowerment, civil society, so I do really admire what she does, as well as a, a businessman called Bashar al-Masri. He, he has a vision for the future of the Palestinians and different aspects, in, like starting from the economy. He's a businessman, so as well as he, ha- he has two books now and he's writing his uh, biography. So he has uh, some articles as well published by the New York Times as well as Washington Post.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Again, uh, thank you, Sarah, Shira and Mohammed. Uh, it was wonderful having you on. I, I know you guys have a busy, very busy schedule traveling the country, uh, seeing all these universities and getting people to join your wonderful institute. To all of our listeners out there, thank you. We'll see you next week.
3: Thank you, Thank YouTube. you too. Bye. Bye-bye.